praying and it, it's not the prayers that I used to do. You know, God, get me out of trouble. You know, the foxhole prayers. It's please help me stay sober and, and please guide me in the right direction. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You know, it was a nice day outside and my daughter comes out and we're dancing in, in the front yard. It was the most amazing spiritual experience. I felt the power of God flowing through me. It, it was just amazing. And, and at that moment, I knew that everything was going to be okay. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this show, we try to provide inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not affiliated with any 12-step or recovery programs, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Greg H. from Purcellville, Virginia. Greg sharing on the concept of real independence. Before we get to the show, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd love to get a rating or a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. It's going to help us improve and expand our reach. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great this morning. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Thank you. Uh, it's good to see you again. Uh, what's going on for today? So today is March 18th, and uh, happy to have my friend that I see in a lot of meetings, uh, Greg H. here today with us from Percival, Virginia, and he's here to share with us on real independence. Oh, fantastic. Greg, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, uh, Lee and Mike. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Terrific. So Greg, when's your sobriety date and uh, maybe introduce yourself to the audience? So my name is Greg. Um, I am an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is May 3rd of 2020. So I got uh, sober this time around uh, in the pandemic, um, primarily with, with Zoom meetings. Outstanding. So we start the show in the same way every day. Uh, we ask the guest if they wouldn't mind reading the Daily Reflection. So would you get us started? March 18th. Uh, today's daily re reflection is real independence. The more we become willing to depend upon a higher power, the more independent we actually are. And that is from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 36. I start with a little willingness to trust God, and he causes the willingness to grow. The more willingness I have, the more trust I gain. And the more trust I gain, the more willingness I have. My dependence on God grows as my trust in him grows. Before I became willing, I depended on myself for all my needs, and I was restricted by my incompleteness. Through my willingness to depend upon my higher power, whom I choose to call God, all my needs are provided for by someone who knows me better than I know myself, even the needs I may not realize, as well as the ones yet to come. Only someone who knows me that well could bring me to be myself, to help me fill the need in someone else that only I am meant to fill. There never will be another exactly like me, and that is real independence. Wow, that's a, a powerful reading there, Greg. Thanks for reading. What resonates with you right off the bat? So this actually um, has quite a bit of meaning to me. Um, you know, this is not my first attempt at sobriety. Um, I've, I've struggled struggled with uh, alcohol and addiction for a really long time. And in 2013, I, I got in some trouble with the law 
and was told, you know, by my attorney that, you know, I, I need to get into AA. Otherwise, um, you know, I'm going to be in big trouble. You know, I had tried to stop on my own a bunch of times. I knew I was an alcoholic and I, I knew that the problems um, from my alcoholism were building up. So I went to AA and what happened there was I compared out. I tried to do everything on my own. You know, I read the literature, but I, I never really connected with anybody in the rooms. So I, I really just was doing everything by myself. It was self-will. And I stayed sober for um, almost, well, for over a year, you know, just by going to meetings. And what happened was, you know, on the outside, everything got better. You know, the job was better. Um, relationships with my family were better. But on the inside, I was still really, really struggling uh, with unhappiness. And I, I never healed. And the reason why I think that is because I was just still being selfish and self-centered, you know, and it, and it even says in the literature that selfish self-centeredness that we think is the root of all our troubles. So while I took the symptom of alcohol away, I still was having lots of troubles. You know, I slowly stopped going to meetings and when I relapsed, it wasn't a bad day or anything. It was just, I was on the golf course. Somebody offered me a beer. I was out of town and I, I took it and I, you know, I got good and drunk that day. And I, my thought was, oh, no one will know. I'm not really going to many meetings anyways, you know, still just running my program myself. Um, and from there, uh, for the next couple of months, I would have one beer on the way home from work, you know, hiding it from my family because of all of the troubles in the past that that alcohol had brought on on my family. I tell you, that was the worst two months of my life because I, all I wanted to do was was just drink to drown out the, these feelings I had inside. My thought was, my brain was telling me, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I can control it. I'm having one beer on the way home from work. And, you know, that lasted for, for a couple of months. And um, ultimately, that turned into a bottle of wine on the way home from work. And then, you know, when my wife would smell things on me, I would tell her, I'm not an alcoholic. What are you talking about? Um, so then I would have beer in the fridge and and drink a bottle or two of wine on the way home and run in and open a beer so that, you know, she didn't know I was that wasted. And, you know, that continued for, for three, four years um, after that stint of sobriety. In that time, I actually was away for Father's Day weekend and I was drinking pretty hard. I got to work the next morning uh, that Monday and, you know, I started having all this pain and I told my job, I was like, you know, I, I got to leave. And I remember walking to the hospital. And that's the last thing I remember. And I woke up about three weeks later. I had been on a ventilator. I had been um, on an ECMO machine where they gave me like a 30% chance to live. Uh, and it was all from this severe pancreatitis that I had given myself from the drinking. And so when I got out of the hospital um, over a month later, you know, the doctor said to me, if you drink again, you're going to die. 
And I came home with all intentions of not drinking. And uh, I found myself drunk again that night that I got home from the hospital. And, you know, I bring up that situation because it was a near-death experience. And however many times I decided on my own to do it, to do it my way, I couldn't stop drinking. Um, then the pandemic hit uh, and I lost my job because I told my boss that, you know, I couldn't work because I was high risk because of COVID, but it was all BS. And so, so now I'm out of work and and I'm drinking all day, every day again. And I would, I would land this, these travel jobs, um, you know, in a hospital and I would be, you know, packing my stuff and ready to go. And they would call and say, you know, the, the, the contract's on hold. Um, the hospital's in a hiring freeze. Um, and that happened twice. And then I finally did get a job in Delaware where I was supposed to leave that Monday morning. Um, and that Thursday before I was supposed to leave, you know, I was sitting in my basement isolating and I, I said, you know, if, if I leave, I'm leaving my family. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to end up dying. So I reached out to somebody from the program and um, I said, you know, I, I really, you know, I heard that there's meetings on zoom now. Um, do, do you have a recommendation? And I went to the meeting and I, I, I think I was, still intoxicated um and i didn't turn my camera on i didn't say anything and you know for the next couple of days i continued to drink um that saturday you know i went to a barbecue place that was giving out free food for people that needed it because of covid um and Um, I was sitting in my car in line in this barbecue line and drinking, you know, vodka and crying and thinking, what am I going to do? So I went home, I got the barbecue and I went home and, you know, I continued to drink that day. And that night I said, you know, I I can't, I can't do this. I'm going to, I'm going to die if I leave and, and I'm on my own. I'm not with my family. I'm not with my children. So my alcoholic mind, still trying to do things my way, decided that I was going to go and pick up some marijuana pens. Um, and I was just going to do a marijuana maintenance um, while I was away on this assignment. And so I got in the car to go somewhere where I knew I could get them in D.C. And on the way there, I got, I got a, a DWI. You know, I'm sitting in jail. This wasn't my first DUI. So on Monday morning, I go in front of the judge and he tells me, you know, there, there is no, no bail for you. You will not stop drinking and driving. And so I sat in jail for a couple of weeks and, you know, I was basically asking God for help and, Um, My lawyer was able to get me out of jail because of the medical condition that I had recently had and the dangers of COVID to me. So 
they said, you know, you have to have a GPS monitor on your ankle and you have to have this breathalyzer that you blow into every four hours. So I, my wife wouldn't pick me up from jail at this point. Um, and so my mom picks me up and they tell me when they're, they're letting me go that you need to pay $10 a day for the ankle monitor and $10 a day for the breathalyzer. And I didn't have the money. And I asked my mom, I said, can you, can you pay for this for me this time? I'll figure something out. She said, okay. She agreed to it. Um, and the whole time home, I'm, I'm just asking God to please keep me sober. So I'm driving home with her and I'm noticing that her car is like super dirty. I say to my mom, since, since you gave me uh, the money for these devices, can I at least clean your car for you? Um, to do something, you know, because I, I just I, I can't give you the money back right now. And she says, yes. So I'm, I'm outside and I'm cleaning her car. It took me three, four hours and I'm, I'm praying. And it, it's not the prayers that I used to do. You know, God, get me out of trouble. You know, the foxhole prayers. It's please help me stay sober and, and please guide me in the right direction. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. As I was cleaning her car, people started walking by and this idea came into my head to ask people if I could wash their car. I asked a couple of people and, and everyone that came by said yes. So that night I went to a meeting on Zoom and this time I turned my camera on and I spoke up and I said, hey, I'm Greg, I'm new. Nice to meet you guys. And immediately, um, there was an outreach of the hand of AA helping me. In particular, uh, you know, this one gentleman, I kid you not, for the next three months texted me a meeting to go to day and night. Not only did he text me that information, but he went with me. He introduced me to my sponsor. And when the next night when I met my sponsor, he said, you know, I'll be your temporary sponsor. And I said, okay, I'm willing to do whatever uh, I, I need. I need this. And so we, we started working the steps. And what happened was once we got to the third step and we started going through them quickly because I was just a mess and I needed some sort of relief. We read the, uh, the third step prayer together. You know, it's it's God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Once we did that, the next day I was outside and I'm washing a car. My son comes out and he's washing the car with me. And, you know, it was a nice day outside and my daughter comes out and we're dancing in, in the front yard. And it was just the most amazing spiritual experience. I felt the power of God flowing through me. It, it was just amazing. And, and at that moment I knew that everything was going to be okay. You know, I continued to to work through the steps and I had a court date coming up that, you know, I was, I was facing some pretty serious time in jail. 
every morning I was reading 86 through 88 with a group of guys. Well, I want to just read one part of it that was really sticking out to me. Um, it says, we usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Now, this was really hard for me because I'm facing years in jail. And, you know, my go-to was, please don't send me to jail. You know, I mean, who wouldn't be thinking that in that situation? But instead of saying that, I was saying, God, please use me. I'm available. If if it's your will that I be home to, to help take care of my family, then that's what's going to happen. So I go to court on August 21st and they fully expecting them to be giving me some serious time. And I was going to, you know, plead not guilty and no jury trials were happening because of COVID. So I was fully expecting to go home that day. And another miracle happened. They, um, they offered me this thing where they were just going to give me six months in jail, charge me with a misdemeanor. You know, the stipulation was that I had to go to jail that day. So I went to jail. And um, while I was in jail, I read page 83 through 86 all the time, a couple times a day. I um, also read page 317, which is on willingness. So it says, when I'm willing to do the right thing, I am rewarded with an inner peace no amount of liquor could ever provide. When I am unwilling to do the right thing, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. It is always my choice. Through the 12 steps, I have been granted the gift of choice. I am no longer at the mercy of a disease that tells me the only answer is to drink. If willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, it is action that opens those doors so that we may walk freely among the living. So I was in jail and the sergeant comes up. I'm taking guys in jail through the steps, you know, just really focusing on, okay, when I'm done with this, I I need to have a a strong spiritual foundation um, so that I can stay sober. So I'm in jail and another miracle happens. The sergeant comes up to me and says, we've noticed that you've been doing what you've been doing in here and we're going to send you home um, on house arrest. And, um, you know, all you need to do is just have your lawyer tell the judge to say it's okay. So two months later, I was home back engulfed in the middle of the pack of AA. And, you know, I compared the willingness, like I picked up some sponsees. I was passing along what had been given to me. And the the thing that I noticed that was different this time, having worked the steps was the way I felt inside. Um, I was truly happy. You know, I compare it to this, like, you know, when you turn the light on in your house, you know, you turn the switch on that, you know, there's a power that flows into the house and it makes the light go on. 
Um, you don't see it, but you know it's there. So I feel like willingness is that switch. You know, when I'm willing to do God's will, the switch goes on and power flows through me. Doors I didn't even know existed open all around me. And, and when one of those doors closes, I automatically know this is supposed to happen. Everything's going to be okay. You know, as long as I stop trying to run things my way, that switch stays on and the power continues to flow through me and into others. And that's what keeps me sober today is, is passing on that message. Incredible story. I want to thank you for sharing that. I'm thinking about, you know, the willingness, the gift of willingness, and that came to you through desperation. What happens when you're out of the fire of desperation? How do you maintain that willingness? Today, I have a choice. You know, I, I can stay connected with my higher power with willingness, and I don't have to drink anymore. So basically, with willingness, I can enjoy, enjoy true happiness in life. And as long as I remember that, and I continue to practice that, the reward is just so great. All of the promises have come true for me. You know, I'm over 10 months sober and, you know, my life is back to where it was before, you know, financially. And what I have now that I didn't have before is peace. And I have uh, my family back and I have, you know, my children. You know, being able to do things with the, with them where I'm not, you know, my only concern isn't whether or not there's alcohol there is, is just so amazing. My kids and I and my wife go to Disney World a lot. And I used to dread the days that we would have to go to the Magic Kingdom because that was the only park in Disney World that didn't serve alcohol. Everything I did, I planned my life <clears throat> around alcohol. and to not have to live like that is just so fantastic. It's, it's, it's remarkable. It's a miracle. So the reflection says, um, and the, it's actually the first part of it. It says, I start with a little willingness to trust God and he causes that willingness to grow. The more willingness I have, the more trust I gain. And the more trust I gain, the more willingness I have. My dependence on God grows as my trust in him grows. And I'm wondering what you would say to a newcomer about that. So for people who might be either thinking about coming in or new to the program that don't necessarily have so much willingness just yet. Yeah. It's, it started for me with that simple phrase, like, I don't know what to do. Please help. I'll do anything. And that's how it started. And I don't even know if I necessarily meant it. Um, but it started with me saying it and then when I got a sponsor and I, I, I developed these, these bonds with other men in the rooms that I've never experienced in my life before. And I saw how happy they were, that willingness grew and it grew and it grew. And, and now, you know, like I said, it's the, the gifts are just amazing. Well, that's fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we wrap? So one other thing, um, I just want to read, you know, step three. Um, step three, it says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So the first time I was in the program, you know, I was doing this. It was all I, all me. 
I didn't notice those words in there, are and we. When I noticed that and I, I decided that I can't do this on my own, I need the help and support of the other people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I need to rely on a higher power, that's when my life started to change. It's a beautiful thing. You know, Greg, I've seen you in service quite a bit, and with with 10 months, I mean, every day is a miracle. With 10 months, where do you find these opportunities for service? You know, with with Zoom, it it is actually incredibly easy. I am able to log on from my office in my house. I don't have to drive anywhere. I can just log on to a meeting and, you know, the, it starts, the service starts for me with, if I see a newcomer, I put my number in that chat. I reach out. I asked him for his number because a lot of times when you're new, you, you're still in that I phase. So if you reach out and get them to open up, it makes a big difference. And other things I do are, you know, I chair a meeting as well. When, when I became willing, it opened up so many doors and so many opportunities to be involved and the more involved you are, you know, the more friends you have around you and the more support you have around you. And you have this incredible love pouring into you that really I couldn't even imagine it prior to 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 that willingness. I love that. Just the smallest, tiniest bit of willingness opens the door to all the miracles that you just described. It's just such a beautiful thing. And I've seen it over and over and over and over. So um, we just want to thank you so much, Greg, for coming here today and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. It's a beautiful story and it's just starting. So we'll have to have you back and see what more, what other miracles come true for you. Yeah. And you know, one, one thing is when you see it in me, and you see it in everybody else that's that willing, all these promises <clears> coming true, it can't be untrue. It had, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are telling this testimony that once, once they're willing, the promises come true. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. You're going to help a lot of people. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Greg. And thanks to you, the listeners. Truly appreciate your support. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook. It's at facebook.com slash group slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read about recovery on our blog at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.